0: Welcome to Swim, Bike, Run the Planet. I am Jill and this is Keith.
1: Hey guys, welcome back for another fantastic week. We are so happy to have you with us.
0: We've been on a little bit of a hiatus due to some travel and a couple other things, but hopefully we will be back to getting these out once a week for you.
1: Yeah, and that has been a very fun month and a half that we've had going on. We've done a lot of traveling. We've been all over the place. We've talked to a lot of different people. We've done a lot of races and just sort of been out there. And unfortunately, when sometimes when you're traveling and doing a lot of these races, it is a little bit hard to get all these things produced and put together. So
0: tonight's topic is something that a lot of people wonder about when training is safety.
1: So when we say safety, we've already done an episode all around helmets. So what this one is, this is more about situational awareness, knowing your equipment, knowing where you you are knowing what you're doing that type of safety
0: yes so we're going to talk about safety in swimming biking and running and how you can have the best experience out there
1: all right well i mean that sounds great so let's go ahead and let's just jump into this this week so where do you want to start so
0: we'll go in order of a triathlon we'll start with swimming then do biking and then do running
1: that sounds good to me. Swimming is probably the one part of this that's the most intimidating for people anyway, and I know that if you're going to have that panic during a race or during a training, it's probably going to happen during one of your swims.
0: Yes, I've heard of a lot of people that get in that open water and look around and freak out. So I know most of us train in a pool and usually the pool has lifeguards or there is at least somebody else in the pool. So we're going to focus more on when you want to do that open water safety, because I cannot stress this enough. If you can get to an open water, do it as much as you can before the triathlon. So you're set.
1: Yeah, that's a good, good, good lesson learned. And I think a lot of people do make that mistake. You know, if you're doing a sprint triathlon, the 400 meters, that's not drastically different. You can kind of live through that one, but... Any of the longer distances, it's really important to make sure that you have a couple of open water swims as part of your training repertoire.
0: So the first thing that I cannot emphasize this enough is if you go to open water, do not swim alone. And Even if you're a strong swimmer, things can happen. You can get a cramp and it's hard to tell that if it's not somebody close to you or with you while you're swimming because people from the shore and other people around... Don't realize you're in trouble.
1: Correct. And that is like a major thing that you just got to remember. You know, if you're on the bike, you have a problem, you stop. If you're in the run, you stop. In the swim, if you have a problem and you're out in the middle of a lake or out in a large body of water, you can't just stop. You need to go ahead and take precaution with that. So Jill's absolutely right. Definitely don't do it alone, and if you for some reason have to do it alone, make sure that there are people at least nearby that understand what you're doing, especially if you're training for anything that's out in the open ocean, because those guys, you know, rip currents, waves, you know, the lifeguards know what to look for, and they'll be watching you, but if you get out too far or they don't quite know what you're doing, you can cause a problem that endangers yourself as well as them, because they don't know what you're doing.
0: I know a lot of people are saying, I don't have anybody that does this with me. This is my thing and none of my friends really do this. So how can I not swim alone? Best thing I would recommend is go to your local bike shop or somewhere that specializes in triathlons and see if there is a swimming group. I know there are quite a few swimming groups in Florida that, especially in the summer, go to those open water. So that'll have 20 or 30
1: people show up. Yeah, you'd be surprised. I think that's been one of the great things about doing this the last dozen years that we have really found is that the community is a lot bigger than I think you realize on the surface. Whether it be biking, running, or swimming in this case, there are definitely people out there. Just take a little time and look for them and you'll probably find some people that are more experienced as well and can give you some great on the sort of on the water tips.
0: So our next tip for open water swimming is swim with a bright swim cap and a buoy, especially on a lake. Because sometimes the lakes have boats or jet skis or other people out there. And if you're just bobbing along without anything, they may not see you.
1: Well, not just that, but the buoy is also very important. Because if you're toting a buoy behind you and you do get into trouble, that may be what saves your life. So make sure it's something that floats, it's highly visible, and you may want to go ahead and plan on dragging something along behind you that has sort of enough uh, buoyancy that it could hold you up if need be.
0: And also try to swim at the off-peak locations or times. In the middle of a busy lake on Labor Day weekend at two o'clock in the afternoon is not the time to decide to open water swim.
1: But that also leads into probably the next piece of this: be aware of where you're swimming in the wildlife around there, because you definitely don't want to be swimming in the middle of the day when there's boats out there. But if you're anywhere that there's alligators or sharks are swimming around right at sunrise or sunset, you want to make sure that you're aware of that. And you know, especially if you're in any of those types of waters, you don't. want to be out there right as the sun's coming up with some of those large predators are still in the water looking around for food
0: yes and you can do some research and i know for sunrise and sunset especially during mating season for alligators is a very popular time they're out so you want to just know about that and know those times to make sure you're swimming safely
1: and if you do see one use common sense just just stay out of their environment don't don't push your luck you don't need to
0: and lastly, know your hazards of where you're swimming, if there's any rocks or a change of depth or any obstacles that you could encounter.
1: Especially, that also, that also includes anything underwater. If you are swimming near reefs or, you know, there's something out there that may cut you or you could become entangled in, you need to know about those types of things. Uh, one other great piece, too, in addition to being able to pull the buoy behind, they actually sell these small CO2 inflatable uh, kits that you can actually wear on your ankle, And they are basically there for you as a almost immediate sort of emergency uh, flotation device. Doesn't impact your swimming. That could be just one other good option. If you're somebody that really just wants to get out there and, go for it.
0: These are just some tips. We don't want to scare anybody because I've really gotten into the open water swimming and I always swim with people and it's a lot of fun, but I want everybody to stay safe. I don't want to see anybody on the news. I don't like those stories at all.
1: Right. And I think that does bring up a great point that it should be a little intimidating to a degree because it is something different. I mean, I know as experienced as I am with swimming, there are certain times where I get out in the water and I realize just how far out I am. And I do kind of look around and go, whoa, I'm a little bit uncomfortable here right now. And the biggest piece of that is stay calm, stay collected, don't panic. You know, I think that sort of goes across the board. Just kind of keep yourself together and sort of recognize where you are and you'll be all right. So let's move on to the next part, which is safety on the bike.
0: Yes, we've already talked about how important helmets are.
1: Right, so we, we're good with helmets and gear. So let's let's move on to the other side of that.
0: Well, we are gonna talk about one more gear for just a moment. Lights are going to make you more visible to cars. And now they've even made lights that have a daytime running motion. Just like your car, there are lights out there that you have on 24-7 whenever you ride.
1: And most of the lights nowadays are designed to sort of be visible for the people that are around you in a lot of the ways. And I mean, just think about that as somebody who drives down the road. You notice those types of things. Even if it's a small blinking light or a small light in the distance, that's something that you're going to notice approaching you. Especially if you're riding on busy roads or even roads that aren't busy where they may, the drivers may sort of just become used to not seeing anything and they're not as uh, aware of their surroundings as they might otherwise be. A good little flashing light or something like that could be the difference between an accident and a safe trip.
0: And we will put some links on our website, swimbikeruntheplanet.com, to some of those lights so you can see.
1: Right. Now, I do want to talk about something right there. I think we've mentioned this before, but let's just reiterate it on it again. When you are buying lights for the bicycle, there's really two types of options you can go with. There's lights to see and there's lights to be seen. So what we're talking about right now are actually more in line with the lights to be seen.
0: And you can go in the bike shops and you will see bike lights lights from $30 all the way up to over $100. And you're going, why should I spend that much on lights? Well, those lights are going to be brighter and they're going to do both. They're going to let you be able to see, especially if you have to ride before work in the morning, and they're going to make you seen which is what we all want on the bike.
1: Not to mention, if you ever tried to change a flat in the dark, it doesn't work so well. And as much as we become reliant on our cell phone lights, it's not a bad idea to have a decent detachable flashlight with you that's part of your you know, your safety kit anyway. And most of these bike lights, if you get the ones to actually be able to see, are bright enough to serve that purpose without a problem.
0: And another good use for them was during Hurricane Irma last year when we used lost power. I actually used my bike light as a flashlight and it worked fantastic.
1: Yeah. And the battery life on these are pretty good, but for the most part, uh, nowadays all of them are USB rechargeable, or just about all of them are. So it's just up to you to kind of keep everything charged up and working the way you do everything else.
0: So we all come across cars one way or another on the bike. I ride the trails a lot, and when I come to a intersection on the trail, and my best advice is to make sure you make eye contact with that car.
1: That's just a good idea to always try to make eye contact and make sure that you're aware of what the car is doing, and what you know that they see you, that you see them, and that there's no miscommunication that you're about to cross the street. And you know most of the laws do require you to get off the bike and walk it across the the bigger intersection. So you know we know that we're all out there trying to ride, and we don't want to lose time but that little bit of extra safety it is important and it's very valuable so the next big thing we want to talk about for bike safety is know your route and make sure that somebody else knows your route as well. Uh, Nowadays, it really doesn't make sense with as connected as we are in technology to not have somebody else be able to know where you're at. Uh, Whether that means that your phone is telling somebody that, whether you've got your location services turned on through Google, or in the case of you happen to have a Garmin on your bike, it can actually send out messages, it can alert things. Jill, remember, you have that Garmin model on yours. Why don't you go into a little bit of detail about some of the features of that computer
0: i can't tell you how much i love the garmin 8, edge 820 and two of the features that i love that are safety related are the incident detector and what that is is that if you don't pause the garmin when you stop you, after a minute or 30 seconds depending on what you set it you actually can put an emergency contact in there and it will call them and say hey this person hasn't moved for a while." you might want to make sure they're okay.
1: Which I've actually gotten that alert from you a couple of times. And usually it's exactly that. you stopped and have just forgotten to hit the pause button. But still, it's it's kind of nice to know, okay, you're out for a bike ride somewhere. I don't necessarily know where you are because normally you go out for a bike ride, you're covering, you know, 20, 30 miles on a normal training ride. Trying to figure out where you are at any position out there could be difficult. Being able to have something quickly tell me, you know, your last location, what was going on, and then be able to immediately call you and check in is just... That's a very valuable piece of mind. And of course, in the event that something ever did happen, I'd have an easy and direct way of finding you.
0: And then the other one that is fantastic is LiveTrack, which actually emails somebody of your choice and says, hey, they're out on a ride and here is their route. And I know you like that feature as well.
1: Yeah, because you can actually see as you're progressing along at that point. So you can kind of see where you are and what's going on. And it's, it's just another good safety feature. You know, there really doesn't make sense nowadays to not let people know where you are, especially if you're doing these types of things, just to make sure that you are safe. You know, nine out of 10 times or probably nine, 99 out of 100 times, you're not going to have a problem. These things are really there for that one time that something goes, wrong. And when that happens, they're absolutely worth their weight in gold.
0: It is better to be prepared than for something to happen and nobody have any idea where you are or what's going on.
1: So again, you can track that via your phone through several apps that are out there. Uh, I think Strava even has a mode now that'll let you see, let people see where you are.
0: Yes, I believe it's called Strava Live.
1: Yeah, so Strava Live, uh, the Garmin computer you can put right on your bike. Uh, Jill, what was that model again that you have?
0: It is the Edge 820. That is the middle of the line one. They also have an Edge 1000 that has a bigger screen, but I haven't found that I need it. But you can always research that. Garmin has a great site that is that has where you can compare the two and... Get whichever one you want for your needs.
1: Right. So you can always make sure you've got some way of doing that. Remember, a lot of the watches now, as well as your cell phones, are all tracking that. So just be aware of that. And it doesn't mean that you have to sort of bother somebody or tell somebody a lot of things. But just make sure that you're safe while you're out there doing something. So if there ever is a problem, somebody can get to you. And, And that works on both sides. Not just if you have an accident, but, you know, just in case something else were to go wrong, somebody has a way of finding you quickly.
0: And lastly, I know a lot of us love music during our workouts, but if you are going to ride on the road with cars, I highly, highly recommend leaving the headphones at home.
1: Right. In a lot of cases, you're actually not supposed to ride with both ears and headphones. And it doesn't mean you can't listen to music. There's other options out there. You can clip some on your collars that are loud enough. There's portable speakers. Uh, A lot of the time I even put my phone in a case right on the front of my handlebars and you can hear it going down the trail. Uh, Just be careful and be aware of your surroundings. But yeah, don't, don't put in two sets of headphones and just go down the road oblivious to what's going on around you.
0: Even on trails specific to bikes, I still recommend leaving one headphone out just so you're aware of people coming up that are faster than you. And I also say the same thing when you're running, just so you know what's going on in your in your
1: situation. Right. And that's also a very good point when you're talking about that. Calling out on your left is not just a joke. If you're passing people, or you're about to be passed, or any direction it's going, be vocal. Let the people around you know that you're approaching. I have seen so many accidents on bikes happen because people aren't aware that somebody's coming up behind them and don't know that they're about to do something. You're not being funny passing people quickly when they don't know you're there, even how cute and Lance armstrong you think you're being. Don't do that. Take the time, call out what you're doing, make the people aware of you, and just make sure that everybody knows what you're doing. And That goes double for anybody walking a dog, especially if they have it on a leash or otherwise. Give them fair warning that you're approaching.
0: There is nothing worse than startling a dog that's going to get away from its owner and probably run right in front of you. And on to running safety. My biggest thing is run when others are out. Try not to run at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Try and run in the mornings or early in the evenings.
1: Yep, you're always safest in a group. You know that. It's pretty much common sense, and any of you who've been doing it for any length of time are aware of that. Plus, it's a lot more fun to run with a group of people, just the camaraderie. It's going to make those miles go faster anyway, so just get out there and do that.
0: Always, always carry your cell phone when you run.
1: Yeah, I would actually take that even a step further, because this is something that I know a lot of people make a mistake doing, and there's so many reasons to not do this. Not only should you carry your cell phone, you should carry your identification with you. Because in the event that something does happen to you, the people who call 911 won't know who you are, won't necessarily know your medical history, won't know what you're allergic to, won't know who to contact. So not only should you make sure that you've got a cell phone on you, that way if you're in trouble you can quickly call somebody, but you need to make sure you've got identification on you to make sure that if something does happen, that people need to know who you are and need to know sort of anything about you, they've got the ability to, to do that. Now that either means carry your ID, carry a few items in you. You know, most of us nowadays that run, we're running with either a small case on our arm or some sort of a race bag around our waist. The other alternative is if you're somebody that just absolutely doesn't want to carry that, there's actually options out there called road ID. Jill, would you like to explain a little bit about what that is?
0: Road ID is something you can put on your wrist, ankle, or even just on your shoe. It's going to have your name, your date of birth, and some other pertinent information about you. And the other thing is, is they, it's going to have a specific number that the paramedics or somebody can look up and actually see your medical history. You put it right on their website. You go on their website and put all that in. So it is automatically there if something happens to you. And it also has the phone number right on that idea of who you want called in an emergency
1: yeah and it's you can put it right inside of your laces on your shoes medical professionals know to look for it and uh, i think there may be one or two other options out there besides road id but that's probably the one that's the most well known at this point
0: road id is the most well known and it's also what most of the pros use i know dean Carnassus highly promotes it
1: yeah so there you go i mean if for those of you who don't know dean Carnasses, take a go look him up that is a, a he if there are superhumans he's one of them
0: I believe he was actually on the show, Superhumans, as well. He
1: Correct. He actually was on that show. For those of you who aren't aware of him, he's a a man that ran 50 marathons in 50 consecutive days. And an entire list of other just extreme, amazing things that this guy has done. And uh, to the point, when you have people like that even promote the safety and sort of making sure that those types of things are on you just in case, it's not a bad thing. You put it on your shoe, you forget about it, and you don't need it. And hopefully you never need it. But if you do, you're sure that you're it's there and you've got it.
0: And I think the biggest thing about this episode is this isn't, once again, this is not meant to scare anybody. It's just about being prepared.
1: Right. And I know a lot of you are probably thinking as you're listening, like, wow, a lot of this is really common sense. And the, the fact of it is, you're not wrong. A lot of this is common sense, but... It, from somebody that's around this world, and Jill, you can you can confirm this. You can tell me that I'm completely wrong. The amount of simple mistakes that are common sense that I see experienced people make is absolutely staggering. And that's usually the ones that get people, That even the ones that have been doing this for 10, 15, 20 years. Those are usually the ones that get you in trouble, are the little things that you just take for granted and you don't do.
0: And it's easy when you're out there on a ride or on a run or a swim to get caught up in the beauty. We all got into this because we like being outdoors. And there is nothing more amazing than getting in that open water and watching the sunrise or watching the sun come up on your bike or a run. And sometimes you just lose lose it and don't really think. It's easy to become oblivious.
1: Right. And the only other thing I'll say is kind of a final wrapping up of this. If you think about accidents, you know they don't happen over 10 minutes. They tend to happen over a matter of seconds. So it's not something that you can always be prepared for, but it's something that you should make sure you take the steps to be as ready as you can be. So now we're back talking a little bit on some of the personal side of this, but we're going to do this week a little bit different because since we are talking about safety throughout the race and just in general, I think it's a good time to talk a little bit about just the importance of you know your personal safety out there and understanding some basic things. So let's spend a little bit of time here and let's talk just a little bit on self-defense and some of the different things out there that you should just be aware of. Now, one of the things that me and Jill had both done in the last two years was we actually actually took a uh, kind of a self-defense course. We had a personal trainer who was very experienced. Uh, he did Tai Chi and a lot of different mixed martial arts. And he actually was able to walk us through kind of some basic things that were not meant to be the, you know, Bruce Lee style kicks or anything like that, but just simple. How do you get away if you are approached just to make sure that you are sort of ready for those types of things. And I think that's a good thing. This is sort of that part of the world that we'd really rather ignore and pretend like it's not going to happen to anybody and that, you know, these types of things don't go on, but unfortunately, in the world we live in these days, we just simply can't kind of put our you know hands over our ears and pretend that there aren't uh, individuals out there that have bad intentions. So we went through and we kind of did that. And Jill, do you want to just speak a little bit about sort of some of the things you learned? Um, I mean, I'm a ver- I'm a I was a large male anyway, so most likely somebody's not trying to grab a hold of me out there on a run because I'm I'm kind of a, na- a natural deterrent in a lot of ways. But I know being kind of you know a younger female out for a run, this is something that you have have to always kind of have in the back of your mind
0: the biggest thing that i learned is how deadly your elbows can be i know a lot of times we play and elbow each other but if you really push your elbow hard somebody's gonna let go of you
1: right and i do think you know something as simple as that when we first started kind of going through this i remember one of the early kind of refrains you had about doing this was you really didn't think you could fight off an attacker like you didn't think that this type of thing would be able to work for you
0: I didn't. I was really scared. I wasn't strong enough. And even if I tried to hit kick or punch, that they would either get a hold of my wrist, ankle, or arm, and I would just piss them off even more.
1: Right. And now that you've kind of gone through that and you've sort of been learned how to do it, I mean, you you found that, you know, there's certain situations where it's not going to work. But I mean, I would think, you know, having done some of these drills with you, if somebody were to come up from behind and grab you, they're probably going to regret that decision. I believe that too. So let's say, I would say kind of the first thing out there, uh, whether you're, you know, male, female, whether you run alone, you know, whatever your, your situation is, it's worth the time to take to, to reach out, go out there and just spend a little bit of time and, and find somewhere that you can learn some basic self-defense. I think there's a lot of places that teach some of that. And I know that this is not as directly in line with our sort of, you know, swim, bike run and the triathlons and sort of in the sport, but a lot of that training that we do, we tend to do alone, and we do on a lot of open streets and a lot of neighborhoods. And again, kind of with the theme of this episode, this is something that we greatly hope you would never, ever need to exercise, but... If you ever had to, you want to make sure you know how to do it.
0: And there are some preventative measures, too. If you see somebody that you're not sure of, look at them. Because a lot of times, once you've looked at them, that's a deterrent right there because you can describe them.
1: Right. And another part of that, too, goes with just good situational awareness. You know, keep an eye out on where you are. Know the area that you're running. Is it somewhere that's safe? Is it somewhere that's not? Are you running down a dark, lit alley or road? Is there an option to go run somewhere that is well lit? you know are you completely on your own you know just just kind of go through those real simple things and just be very aware of where you're at at all times and, and don't put yourself into any type of compromising situations
0: and the I know a lot of times the local police stations do offer those self-defense classes and they even do women's only self-defense classes.
1: Yeah, especially for those of you who'd like to go and do that but don't want to, you know, sort of the intimidation of having a male in the room with you doing it. There are a lot of options out there. Uh, another option too that I'm not entirely sure that I encourage anybody to do this, but I know people that do. You know, there there are options to run. There There's mace that can be, uh, you know, sort of on a wrist. Uh, that way if you need to grab it. There, there's certain options like that. There's the whistles, you know, there's there's different things that you can do. And it's really, I think, a matter of, you know, whatever it is that makes you comfortable. I'm a little hesitant to tell somebody to carry a weapon such as mace or anything like that just because I've heard too many other stories of something like that going wrong and in a lot of cases it ends up being used against you. So, it, But if that's what you need to do, just make sure that you're aware of it, that you understand how to use it, and that you're just being safe. And again, we're not trying to scare anybody. We're just trying to be very realistic about the sort of unfortunate world that we live in in many ways and we want you to be safe out there we want you to enjoy this amazing sport so please don't take this episode as a deterrent don't take it as something to be afraid of just take it as a way of making sure that you are being safe that you're sort of taking into account all those little things that you need to do and just making sure that you are being safe out there
0: Alright, guys so we are back and a really really exciting thing did happen in the world of running this weekend there is a runner with the last name kip joge that ran a 2:01 marathon, and that is a new world record.
1: Yeah, there has been a lot of debate, and we're going to end up doing a full episode around the two-hour marathon at some point, just because there's been so much debate back and forth over whether it physically is even possible for the human body to do that. Which I very much believe that it is, and that we will get to see a two-hour or sub-two-hour marathon at some point.
0: Yes, but breaking the world record is amazing. It was 2:03 before, and it was at the Berlin marathon. This weekend, so congratulations to him on a great run.
1: Yeah, absolutely, definitely a huge shout out to that. I think it's just it's always fantastic to sort of hear and see some of the new things we're doing. And you know, the Berlin Marathon. If you are somebody that happens to be in Europe, or you're looking to kind of do a a true destination race where you travel abroad, uh the Berlin Marathon is supposed to be one of the absolute most gorgeous marathons out there. It's you know it's in the city of Berlin, obviously over in Germany. uh There's so many wonderful accolades around all that, and if you're gonna do that, that type of race where you want to do a travel and you really want to make the most of it i would highly recommend you take a look at the berlin marathon and uh you know see what you could do to to be able to qualify for it or get into that race if not just go out there and enjoy it city's beautiful and uh, i think you'll really have a great time
0: and we're going to switch gears a little bit we've been doing race reports but with kona coming up a lot of the athletes are training very hard for that so we're going to do some features on Kona athletes past and present.
1: Right, and I think that's also just kind of a fun way that way by the time Kona gets here, hopefully you have a few favorites of your own.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately this week, the news came out that one of our personal favorites has a stress fracture and is out of Kona this year, and that is Jan Fredino.
1: Yeah, and that is, I know that has to be probably just absolutely devastating for him because he had been on just an absolute tear in the 2018 year. He was, uh, married. I think he had even broken the, was it the half marathon record or the, The half Ironman record? Yes, he did break a world record this year. Yeah, so I mean, he had just been on fire. And, you know, over a course of an Ironman, it's hard to say that anybody is an absolute favorite. But I mean, he was certainly somebody that was really being looked at very closely to be a top three.
0: Yes, and besides his athletic achievements, he is just amazing as a person. He never gives up. He is out there whether he is going to win or not. And he gives his absolute all.
1: Yeah, so if you're not really familiar with him, take some time, check him out. I think you'll really enjoy getting... to just learn a little bit more about him. He really is sort of the top of the top when we talk about world-class athletes, especially in the Ironman world.
0: And I'm going to end this on a quote he said about being out of Kona because it really relates to all of us because I think we focus so hard on our achievements that sometimes when we do get derailed, we think we're done. So I'm going to end with a quote because this really meant a lot to me. So he said, in regards to being out of Kona, the highs and lows of the sport have never been so close for me. Winning a world title last week and being sidelined for the season is just a reminder to all of us that success never comes in a straight line. And I really believe that's true with the triathlon world.
1: On, you know, sort of the, you know, the grass is always greener side of it. There are a whole lot of people now that would have been fighting for potentially a third place podium spot that now are sort of in the mix to win it. I mean, he was... He was an absolute top three favorite going into Kona. So, I mean, this could be a type of year where we see somebody that, you know, hasn't uh, sort of been on the top there or, you know, has been kind of close, but just on the outside really have a shot this year. So I think that just makes Kona that much better because these guys that have been sitting there in that, you know, kind of fifth through 10th part of the world are suddenly looking at this going, this could be their year to win it.
0: Yes, I think it'll definitely be an interesting race among the men this year. And the best part is, is that Iron Man broadcast the whole thing live, so you don't have to wait for NBC. You can go right on Iron Man's website and they will have the whole thing live in October.
1: And from the women's side, going into Kona as well, uh, I think, I mean, we've talked about her before, but I think Miranda Carefree is still by far the the, the woman to beat.
0: Even if she is down on the bike and the swim, you can never count her out for a run. She is an amazing runner, even after doing that 2.4 mile swim and that 112 mile bike. We have seen her chase down people year after year.
1: And so she's just another fun one. And I mean, I'm very excited as we get into Kona and like Jill said as we kind of lead up we're going to try to highlight a few of these different world-class athletes each week just so you have a little bit better idea who's there and hopefully find some of your favorites there's a lot of great resources out there go to ironman.com look at the sort of the triathlon races that are going on around the world and just educate and and learn a little bit more about some of these amazing athletes that are out there all right, so before we wrap up here, we wanted to bring you back with our tech tip of the week, and it's actually a pretty cool one. It's uh, one of Jill's sort of favorite things to talk about that I can tell you from personal experience I didn't fully understand. As a matter of fact, I think, Jill, you had even mentioned to me this is probably going to be the episode for next week is a full breakdown of this.
0: Correct, and it is about recovery, compression. I know a lot of you have questions about, do those little sleeves or socks actually work? Why should I walk around with them and have people look at me strangely? First off, people don't look at you strangely. Every time I have them on, and I know, Keith, you can attest to this as well, most of the time, people are very curious about them.
1: Oh, they're curious. I probably get strange looks, but then again, I'm six foot three and, you know, a gigantic man and me walking around in little compression sleeves is probably just entertaining the people.
0: But they are great for recovery, especially after long runs. I keep mine on most of the day when I do a hard workout and we will get into some of the technology about compression next week.
1: Absolutely. So in short, if those of you who aren't aware of compression yet or not really sure, you definitely want to tune in next week to learn some more about it because it is amazing what it can do for you especially those of you who have ever gotten up day two after a marathon or a long run and have done that marathon shuffle down the hall if you know what i'm talking about and you don't use compression you really should And that's going to wrap us up for this week's episode of Swim, Bike, Run the Planet. Once again, we thank everybody for joining us. I know it was a little bit darker episode this time because we wanted to talk on some serious issues around safety and just making sure that you guys are taking care of yourselves when you're out there. But next week, we'll be back with compression, which will be a little bit more on the lighthearted side. Uh, Jill, where can people find us?
0: People can find us at swimbikeruntheplanet.com. They can find me on Instagram and follow my training adventures and other adventures at loves to try eighty two. So that's L-O-V-E-S, the number two. T-R-I period 82. And on YouTube, it's Swim, Bike, Run the Planet.
1: Yep. And again, whatever podcast medium you happen to be hearing this on, give us a like, give us a review, let us know how you're doing. All those likes and reviews and everything help us kind of move up the charts and make sure that we're able to keep delivering this content out there and making sure that we just, you know, good feedback is always welcome. We like to know how we're doing and are there topics out there that you think we should cover that we haven't got to yet? Believe us, we have a long list of things we want to go through, but if we start hearing from people about questions or areas that you really have, uh, you really want to know about, we can certainly move them around to get them to the top of the list. And as always, we are more than happy to reach out and discuss anything about any time.
0: Thank you so much for listening to us. We appreciate each and every one of you and we'll see you on the road.